lovelies. And welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again. And we have another outstanding, fun episode in store for all of y'all today. My guest this week is uh, someone who is uh, close to me in the Pacific Northwest area, uh, Zeb St. One, the Ring Vandal. Um, you know, one half of the, the, I guess now former tag team, the wrong side after recent events at DOA pro wrestling here in Portland. Um, but just a name that's, you know, all over the Pacific Northwest scene, uh, right now, you know, and, and honestly has been showing up and, and putting in work at multiple promotions, in the Pacific Northwest, dating back to 2017, you know, back in the 321 battle days up, up around here. Um, but Zeb, uh, someone who I've had the chance to, to meet a few times and become kind of friendly with and, you know, has an interesting story and, and journey here in, in pro wrestling as well. Um, it's also a really good moment to have a chance to sit down with and talk to him because, you know, he was uh, uh, featured very heavily in... Um, without a cause up until it closed back in December. And now with the news that Max and uh, Chris and Dave up here in, in the Washington area are going to be giving it another go with peak sports entertainment coming up. Um, I think they're teasing something for October right now. Um, but it's just another reason to put a spotlight on the scene. And, and one of the people that has been really busting it out here um, and, and doing something in terms of character that is, you know, really authentic to them. And is also taking that love of wrestling and putting it back into the scene and, and, you know, helping a lot of young queer talent that are just getting started in their wrestling journey as well. It's, it's really cool to see. Glad to have Zeb on and the chance to, to chat with him all about that. Um, before we get to that conversation though, I just want to, reveal what the next two subjects of required reading are going to be of course required reading is one of our bonus shows over on the patreon patreon.com slash lgbt ring pod uh it's a show that i host with my very good friend and former um artistic collaborator hollis um who's been on this show previously a few times uh and we take a wrestling match we take a, a film and then we have com a conversation between the two in terms of like themes and and other characteristics and that sort of thing the first one we did uh was effie versus Pero, last daddy standing uh along with john carpenter's the thing that's up on the on the patreon feed right now for all uh five dollar subscribers over there and this month's episode is <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting uh veer in a way away from what we talked about at first uh in in a few instances so um i can say that this month for july we are going to be just discussing the texas bull rope match between dusty Rhodes and steve carino from ecw living dangerously 2000 um i picked that one a, a lot because of uh how much Hollis loves Dusty Rhodes. Um, we both love Dusty Rhodes, honestly, but there's just like this supreme connection for Hollis and Dusty. And I wanted to give him a little something 
in his wheelhouse after forcing him to watch a No Ring Death match for the first time around. <laughs> and the movie that we're going to be discussing in conversation with that match is uh, the 1962 uh, John Ford film, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I might not strike a lot of people as, as, as somebody who might be into Westerns from time to time, but I will say, you know, there are some that just hit, uh, and that one definitely hits. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation, so make sure you're subscribed over at the $5 tier to listen to that here in the end of the month, and then we'll figure out what we're going to be doing for August. It's going to be... Uh, I've enjoyed doing this show already. We're only, like... This is only going to be the second episode of it, but you know, I just really enjoy collaborating with Hollis again and uh, giving y'all a window into the kind of conversations that we would have while we were just smoking cigarettes and drinking PBRs on the back porch of our friend's house uh, back in Atlanta circa, like, 10 years ago. <laughs> so... <laughs> but um, that being said... Uh, let's jump into my conversation with Zepsite One. Hi guys, guys and non-binary pals. Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week, someone who I have uh, had the privilege of getting to know a little bit here in the Pacific Northwest area over the last year or so. Uh, someone who has been uh, showing up at pretty much any promotion in the region that you can think of like doa pro wrestling pal pro wrestling without a cause um even going back to the three to one battle days uh up yeah. there in the seattle area please welcome the ring vandal zeb saint one onto the show how are you hey. doing today? i'm doing good how are you doing it's good to see you i know it's good to see you too I, I was happy that we crossed paths just briefly at the last prestige show at the cascadia cup um, that was, I was not expecting to, to run into you down there. And that was, that was, that was cool to, to kind of just see you and catch up for a little bit. Yeah, right. It's always a nice little surprise. Um, yeah. And this out a little bit, little, little fateful outcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah. the beauty of working in pro wrestling, right? Sometimes that yeah. stuff just kind of pops up and you gotta take advantage of it. So exactly. That's, that's most of it. Right. Luck so and timing is like an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've definitely had a lot of opportunities up in in the Pacific Northwest since you've gotten into the ring. Now, like I said, like I the promotions I listed off, like that's just like maybe like a third to a half of where you've worked. Like we're talking like what is it uh, at Relentless now at Five CC? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I've done all of them. I've been to Five CC since the first show. The last one's coming up August twelfth. Yeah, uh, a little bittersweet, but it's going to be a a fun time uh like you said relentless i'm trying to make it out to the prestiges and whatnot just kind of show my face shake hands do all that kind of stuff (laughs) do the things you know the brother brothers (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) no and that being said you also been down to vegas i've seen you at pride style down there oh i love pride style that's one of my favorite places to go so fun love millhouse on the show um oh yeah yeah it seems like it's been kind of an interesting journey for you in, in the pro wrestling world. And I, and I'm here to learn more about it. Like, you know, we're, we're friendly, but like, I don't know too much about your journey in pro wrestling. So to speak, I haven't dug that. into the history, right? Exactly. Historical That's what we're context here to do. At all. Yeah. We're here to learn more about Zeb St. One. So, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
so let's let's start from kind of the beginning a bit we'd like to kind of talk a little bit about wrestling origins at the beginning of the show usually and what was it about uh pro wrestling that kind of hooked you in and around what time uh so my first memory of pro wrestling uh must have been some random monday night in like 98 uh First memory is Shawn Michaels hitting an elbow drop and then switching the channels over and seeing Goldberg hit a jackhammer. And then my brother hit a jackhammer on me and broke my arm. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, All in the span of one that, night? In the span of one night. First, I mean, that's probably why I remember it, you know, it was was that – um so that was my last time that I was allowed to watch wrestling until I started sneaking it is like 12, 13 years old. Um, got into the TNA days, uh, like the, the early X division. That was my shit. Um, then like, uh, I got out of it, you know, the too cool for school type thing. Like, uh, oh, this, you know, nerdy wrestling shit. Um, then a few years ago, it was like 2017. Uh, one of my friends hit me up um on like a saturday and said that monday he had tickets to a raw in portland one of our friends bailed like i'll go whatever it'll be cool i used to be into this um so i went and i was like oh my god i'm a kid again i'm this is gonna take over my life like it was it was a weird like i knew it um so within two weeks i was in training at three two one battle oh wow so that was that's that's yeah. interesting because like it's not only that it sucked you back in as a fan, but like it sucked you into the point that like you were like you jumped at like looking at wrestling schools at that point. Like that's oh, that's yeah. an interesting I, jump. Mm-hmm. I it was one of those things like when I was a kid, I was like into like the parkour and like all that like solo athletic stuff. I was never really like a team sport guy. Um and so I think that's kind of just like something i wanted to do so when it came back into my life i was like hey this was where i wanted to go with it when i was younger anyways like so it kind of just picked up where it left off it felt like mm. so i was immediately like feet first and i haven't got out yet <laughs> <laughs> now at that point like yeah granted like going to raw like you're, that's kind of like your re-entry point there but at mm. that point are you kind of aware of like what's going on in in the pacific northwest wrestling scene at that point like indie wise or like do you know about the reputation that it had for a while at that point i knew zero until you know once you you're you're in training and you're around people who are like been working you know they start to like bring you into it tell you what's going on so i had no clue i thought uh i i didn't know indie wrestling was really like that much of a thing i never really got into it in my early days of, of fandom um so yeah i i kind of learned along the way and it's been like things have changed so much that that early education of like <laughs> pnw indies was like it's it's old knowledge at this point like four years later it's old knowledge <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think like if I'm not mistaken, like 2017 was the year that Washington kind of changed the regulation around pro wrestling to where indies could run more easily. I think right? around then, yeah. Before yeah. then, a lot of places were just doing like spot shows at bars and stuff like that, like no ring shows. So it wasn't really 
they were skirting the regulations. Yeah, because like I I didn't live in the area obviously whenever three two one was like started up or like you know whenever it was running really, so I never got to go to one of those shows. But I remember hearing stories about you know three two one just basically throwing mats on the ground in a bar and just mm-hmm. doing shit there and getting shut down by the police and yeah, shit like the that. The old rebar, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh first like they called it Seattle Semi Pro Wrestling at the rebar, and they just went on the stage threw some mats down. And I feel like that's why they got so gimmick heavy and, mm. and went that direction is because no one wants to bump on those fucking mats on the stage. <laughs> let's, let's just work the crowd type shit. Yeah. After having conversations with some people that, that, that have worked with, uh, with blow out in Boston, uh, the Boston league of wicked wrestlers who started out very similarly, just basically going to, to bars and throwing mats on the ground. Like they're a very, gimmick heavy company out there like it, it totally makes sense that you're gonna mm-hmm. kind of like tend to the strengths of your of your venue as opposed to like having to bump on a, basically on a stage or on a bar floor let's put on this seven star omega okada <laughs> classic on this bar stage right now <laughs> not to say that can't be accomplished in a no ring <laughs> setting per se like oh I, that would be that's impressive but I, i'm i'm not doing it Oh, I don't blame you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask anybody to do that. But it, it, it's like almost. It takes like a different like form of match to have to do something like that. Maybe not like an oh, Omega yeah. Osprey thing, but like I definitely like not cheap plug for one of the the Patreon bonus shows here. But like on required reading, what we did last month, like we talked about Pero and Effie in their like last Daddy Standing match, which was a no ring death match sort of situation, mm-hmm. and like. That thing, at least in my mind, that's a seven-star fucking match um, for me personally. So it, it can't be done, but at the same time, you got to recognize where you're at and, and what's going to be the best longevity for you in that way. Yeah, yeah. Save your back a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So how did you find 3-2-1 Battle? Um, I, I think it was just uh, looking for indie promotions in the area to go to. And then through like going to their website, I think they had like a, a sidebar that said school or whatever. Then I looked up that. Um, then I looked up other schools in the area. Um, that was right. Um, not too long. The time when Buddy Wayne passed. Uh, so his school, I don't think was accepting students at that point. Um, so three, two, one was the one option at that point. So we were like, I was like, I'm, I'm going here. This is it. Um, they had like a free class thing at the time. So that, I think that's what wrote me. I was like, eh, whatever. Give it a shot. I get to step in a room. Give it a shot. Oh, yeah, and I didn't I... step too bad. So <laughs> I kept going back. So for those that maybe don't know 321 Battle that are listening to the show, mm-hmm. how would you describe 321 Battle? Um, Heavy gimmick, costume, uh, like a, a Chikara meets burlesque meets like drag show meets any kind of of costume sequence sparkly you can think of wrapped up in uh, people getting hammered and yelling at wrestlers. That was pretty much it. And then you throw in uh, religious figures children uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah yeah i guess that's a good segue to get to like your your first 
port character or portrayal there. Amen. Bless B. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because like whenever um, I when I was first introduced to, to you, um, was watching Five CC and seeing Jesus Christ Junior there, which then I found out that was something that bore out of three two one battle, mm-hmm. and. It was it was very interesting to me as someone else. Like obviously, like I see, like it, I see, like the physical resemblance and why that might have been put there. And as someone else who has been referenced by randos on the street as like some with some like qualifier in front of Jesus yep. and that sort of <laughs> shit. Like I get it, <laughs> but at the same time, like how did how did that end up becoming like your your first kind of character? So, um, three, two, one, like I said, was super gimmick heavy. They were always kind of like doing off the wall things. So the first idea they had for me, uh, just cause I'm at that point, I was a lot skinnier and lankier. I put on some size since I started wrestling. Uh, their idea for me was the flamingo. They wanted me to paint myself fully, per- fully pink and have big black, uh, thigh highs and walk around all weird and do kicks and stuff. Thankfully, that didn't happen. That I don't know how I would have pulled that shit off. <laughs> I'd have been down. I'd have been tight. But um, they came to me with the idea of, you know, let's do a the son of Jesus. Like you're the rebellious teenage, like kid son. Um, I was like that. Is interesting. Let's see how it works. And the crowd ate that shit up. They loved it at three, two, one. Um, and I took it from there until I couldn't anymore. I feel like with that character. But in the time I did it, that was probably some of the most fun I've had in wrestling. Mm. What well, what specifically about it like was was fun to you? Like in terms of like playing off of other characters or like storylines or just like what, what, what made it endearing to you? I think there were just so many like openings and references I could make, you know what I mean? Like so many, just like random, like if I fold my hands, the crowd knows what's going on. You know, everyone knows like the symbols. There were like times where I was, you know, working in like devil Drexel say, and I would, did like a thing where like I put up my fingers like in the cross and like big reaction and everyone gets it. You know, there were just a lot of those references I could make. And it's just so silly. Like you can't do that character seriously. Like you have to kind of like know what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I could just, I, I didn't have to take, take everything so seriously. I could just kind of like have fun. And I think I was a good entrance into wrestling because now like where I'm at, it's, I know I I can take things less serious. Like I still care about everything, but I can I can kind of like know what we're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, there's there's a silly undertone to all of wrestling. <laughs> it's it's interesting that like that mindset is already there because I feel like yes, that's a healthy mindset to get to when it comes to pro wrestling. Like you know, to a degree, you want to take it seriously as a pursuit, mm-hmm. right? And you want to keep learning and that sort of thing. But at the same time, like we're all like hanging out and then going in the ring and play fighting with one another. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, like it, it's not like a, it is serious, but it's not at the same time. And it's good to understand like the division there. And I feel like a lot of young wrestlers 
maybe not as, as much nowadays, but you know, back whenever I was like going to a lot of indies back in Atlanta, um, before I moved out here, like it, it really felt like there was like a a bit of like self serious self seriousness that was not sometimes mm-hmm. self imposed, sometimes more so imposed by like the people around you in a way, and it really feels like that character as well as just coming up through three, two, one and knowing the kind of promotion that it was and what it wanted to do, like really kind of let you skip that step in a way. Yeah. There's just so many of those, like I'm going to be the big badass black boot, black tight, shave my head. I'm going to be stone cold 3.0. Like you, you don't need to do all that. Like we're, we're, we're play fighting in our underwear. We're <laughs> like, why, why, why are we commenting on the internet that this looks fake? It's fake. It is. Like, <laughs> come on. God. No, it's just, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to, yeah, to yeah. see that. But I don't know. Like, it, it's cool that, like, your entry point kind of already was giving that freedom to you in a way. And then you mm-hmm. see it even now and like, like, you know, seeing you in the ring or seeing like your character stuff, like you seem like you have this flexibility of stuff that you want to do w- with your character or what, or in your matches and that sort of thing that, um, I don't know. It's made, it's made you endearing to me as like someone watching in the ring, you know? Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I try to have a, like, some lightheartedness in there you know i like i my character now is definitely more of a serious tone to it at times but if you can't like put the lightheartedness into it like it's i feel like you can you you are taken less serious in your serious times if that's all you are like there has to be that roller coaster so when like you do the serious shit it's like it means something it's not like i walk to the ring and i'm already at 100 that yeah. don't make no sense. Exactly. It's all about tailoring things to the moment, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. build, the context. Yeah, all that. So at what point do you start feeling that Jesus Christ Jr. doesn't fit you anymore or is starting to run its course in your mind? Um, I think around the time. So like uh, pandemic time. Um, Obviously, everything was shut down. I had uh, a pretty bad injury. I broke my arm um, like six months before pandemic. So I was out for like a year and a half. Um, And I spent that whole time, you know, coming up with ideas and and having all these like thoughts of stuff I wanted to do with the character once we were out of it. Um, And then I kind of came to realize that like those ideas were hard to get someone to put into place if that makes sense like how so it's really hard to it's really hard to get a lot of like there were one or two places that would see the character and be like oh yeah we can do something with this but a lot of it was just like if you're going to come in as you know a jesus character where you're going to be the silliest thing on the card we can't have do anything else but that so it kind of kept it as like storylines were hard to get going um and it was really hard to like get ideas to the point of fruition it was more and then after that i was like you know if i started to do something else maybe i can get booked elsewhere um 
And also being that it's a religious character, a lot of people didn't want to like put their hands on that. You know what I mean? They're just like, we're going to, we're going to sidestep this one. So I kind of like, like if I have, if I'm going to get to another level, I kind of have to drop this thing that's keeping people from um, letting me be to that next level. I mean, I can understand the thought process, especially there, like considering like obviously that character's made tailor made for the the irreverent atmosphere at the at, at three two one, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah, it it worked in five cc. Like interestingly mm-hmm. enough, like a company that like is nowhere like it's nowhere near what three two one was trying to be, but it still it still worked up there. But mm-hmm. like, I can understand the thought process in that way, and also like it just. As the same thing that happens in a lot of areas of pro wrestling, there's just like a natural evolution, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the territory gets more serious. The wrestlers kind of get more serious too. Yeah. 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 So where did the idea for, for Zeb Saint one come from for you? Like, is it rooted in like, how how much is it rooted in you? So I uh, actually was a graffiti writer for like 10 years. Um, that's kind of where it came from. I think it was like, I got, you get all this, uh, um, I got a lot of advice and you hear a lot of like vets on podcasts and stuff like that, talking about like the best characters and the best gimmicks are the ones that are closest to you. So I went through my, you know, thought of what is the actual like thing that I've done most in my life that I can pull into this and that just happened to be i did this thing for like 10 years before uh i got into wrestling um and so i decided you know i don't know if there's any like actual like graffiti writer characters i don't know if there's anything like that and i couldn't find any there's a wcw uh jobber named jimmy graffiti that's the big homie but (laughs) that's all i could find (laughs) um uh yeah, and so I figured it's it's new and I can do something with it. Hmm. So at what point do you does do you like make the decision, okay, this is the route I want to go and like how does it start kind of coming together for you? Because like it feels like just watching over the last couple of years, like as anything in pro wrestling, it just gets more and more developed as it mm-hmm. keeps going and like you know, I don't know if like if the influence of like being in like the tag teams, you know, with with Nathan and with Chris, like, um, kind of influenced that as well uh, over the over the years. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, being in uh, the wrong side with Chris Brady, that definitely put me more towards like the, uh, leaning towards towards like how we can bring our our styles and our characters together. And funny thing about Chris, I've known him for 15 years. Like we met uh, <laughs> in middle school, like uh, Keithley Middle School, Parkland, Washington. And like, so when they put us together uh, just for like a spot show in Everett a couple years ago, it worked. And so I was like, this is great. Let's Let's see how I can make my graffiti thing more towards like, He's got his like everybody's favorite homeboy. He's he's the hood guy. He's around drinking forties, and I'm the guy who's like walking down the street with my can of spray paint, and he stops me and's like, "Yo, come take a sip." Blah blah blah. And that kind of is was the idea of making my character more 
like uh, developed in the sense of, or I think just more interesting, you know, rather than I didn't know how at first to just put like, how do I be this artist without making it corny? And I think that kind of helped me like move it into what it is now. Mm. It's interesting to hear that you and Chris go that far back. Cause like, you know, I've only mm -hmm. had a chance to hang out with both of y'all together a couple of times. And like, I love Chris. He's, he's great. At the same time, like, it's just like y'all have, it feels like there's like two completely different personalities there with, with the mm -hmm. two of y'all. And it's just really interesting how that dynamic fits together in a way. Like what was like, what initially like, drew y'all together like back 15 years ago like that that feels like a very formative time i would say i think uh, we just went to the same school like we were kind of we weren't really like like friends like that like we were oh, a little okay. bit like we'd say what's up we'd dap each other up if we just like saw each other out school, outside of school or whatever but like um we were cool enough you know we had a few a few funny memories my favorite memory of, of chris ever was i was walking with a bunch of my friends uh and he was, I don't know, he's coming from, like, football practice or something. He had his bag over his shoulder. And we come around the corner. He's looking down at the ground, and we're just joking with him, like, hey, what's up? Where are you from? Just fucking with him. Without looking, he throws his bag off and posts up like he's ready to fight all four of us. And he's like, oh, shit, what's up, guys? And <laughs> that kind of tells you all you need to know about Chris. <laughs> had no clue what was happening. He was ready to, to throw hands with all of us. Um <laughs> But yeah, like we were, we weren't really like best of friends, and we became cool uh, through wrestling. And uh, I, uh, I know you saw what happened at DOA. We're not cool anymore. Fuck that guy. But uh, whole yeah. different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> little bit, but uh, it's a shame. But it's just it was interesting, like kind of like watching the two of y'all together, because like that obviously like y'all came to DOA. With the, with the mm -hmm. with the tag team there, and it felt like that really was kind of a, a really good jumping off point for you yourself, you know, in terms of like getting more more spots, especially down here in Oregon, uh, and mm -hmm. along with Washington as well. Like, um, yeah, DNA's done so much for me. They really yeah. have. They were, I, uh, they were the first ones. They were my first place outside of Washington that I worked, um, and they were the first ones to really like put a, a spotlight on me I'd say like the other place that I went like um like they everyone did really good for me but they they really I think were the spot where people could see what I can do you know and I think they were one of the first places that I I debuted the um ring vandal character at 5cc and I think like the summer 2021 or something like that and then DOA was really where they let me flush it out. And mm. they did a lot to like put me in with people I could learn from, which, which was invaluable. Like, yeah. What do you attribute that to necessarily? Cause like I've talked to other people from, from the area on the show, like most notably probably like Dave Turner. Right. And talking mm. about how the, whatever he Dave. started getting booked at DOA, like that he felt like, like, okay, this is like, this is like the goal, right? This is where mm -hmm. I wanted to be. And now I'm getting booked here regularly. Yeah. He was tag team champion. Like, so like, and obviously that me not, you know, I moved out here in like 2018. Right. So I, 
like I've been here for like the the revitalization of the scene, but I also mm-hmm. have not been I'm not like an ingrained part of that scene. So like hearing Dave talk about DOA having that reputation, that kind of benchmark place, like was that kind of the similar thought process for you? Is like okay, once I hit DOA, like I'm doing something right. Yeah, they were one of the first like uh like checklist places that I I I I was able to cross off they like we talked about earlier like the northwest is really it was it was a black hole for the longest time like people weren't coming here and no one could get out um and doa really held it down through those times um they they really uh if it wasn't for doa the pnw scene would not have kept going like that's that's factual at this point um they just had they they just did so much during the times where there wasn't anything to do, if that makes sense. And because of that, now we have a flourishing territory, like more so than ever, I'd say. And it, a lot of that is because they were able to hold it down. And it's interesting to get that perspective because, like, you know, you know, I'm I'm learning more and more how important DOA is to to the area, mm-hmm. right? And and seeing especially like all the like offshoots now that are happening, you know, with Jaden announcing the ASAP and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the relationships that, that it, the company has, with, you know, previously with like without a cause and, um, and relentless and just seeing like so many more opportunities for the people that, that I'll see on a monthly basis here popping up all over the place. And, and the people that I see out there popping up here and that sort of thing, like it's really interesting to, to kind of view it as an anchor point and learn to view it as an anchor point in a way. Cause like, mm-hmm. I remember the first show I went to is that like, they were running the comedy club and um, I think it was like, way back when. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was like Drexel and Randy Myers in like a, a comedy death match was on that show. <laughs> like Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So like, it was like, it was a, it was a really fun introduction, but like I was also at that point, like I didn't understand what it meant to everyone in the scene. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more in speaking to, to people about it, like just how vital it was is, is really starting to kind of come in, come more and more into picture over the last couple of years, I think, for, for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Like, it is, that that's, so go ahead. Go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's uh, definitely one of the reasons why so many people want to come from other places and work there is that when we go elsewhere and people ask us about Pacific Northwest DOA is usually one of the highest praised places. And so that's why they are able to bring in so many people because people want to work there. Yeah. It's amazing that they've been able to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. How much of a learning experience is that for you to have all these people, you know, from all over the country that are coming in now, not even that all over the world, like Adam Brooks, the Pacific Northwest Brooksy. owes a debt to to Brooksy for spending so much time in this in this area over the last yeah, especially, couple of years. Uh, he uh, we were talking about Dave Turner earlier. Uh, he lived with Dave uh, while he was here, um, and Dave's actually my trainer at the Dragonplex Dojo. So there was uh, a few months there where Brooksy was pretty much uh, our third trainer after 
uh, Dave Turner and Chris Ross. So like he, uh, he taught so much to this like next generation coming up. Like we tell our, uh, us, we told a lot of our students um, who really don't know as much, you know, who are kind of like the WWE, AEW guys haven't really watched back the, older days like you need to listen to everything this dude says <laughs> like <laughs> gonna help you yeah yeah so, yeah we've uh they've been bringing people all over i think uh doa i've done like 10 plus seminars there you know they tried to get one uh before every show and that just really shows what like doa and drexel specifically really wants to push forward the pacific northwest and get everyone learning opportunities and have those people running the seminars get their eyes on us, you know? All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show and say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous, uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on monthly, uh, round table of those sort of things. So, uh, definitely go over and check us out uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is, uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling. And we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you got t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBTRingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. 
um, just run through the the week's gaming news, or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. Let's let's talk about Dragonplex for a little bit because like you oh, know yeah. obviously like you know I'm friends with Max and and I know the, like that school is very closely tied to Without a Cause and you know with mm-hmm. Dave and Chris and the work that they've been doing there like it that place really feels like um a a great environment to learn an inclusive environment to learn um yeah. and it's been amazing to kind of watch some of the obviously like we have a focus on lgbtq names in pro wrestling and it's mm-hmm. been cool to see like the amount of like lgbtq talent that's kind of come through there in recent years you know as well as that you going and, and training over there as well yourself like mm-hmm. what do you attribute that that environment at dragonplex to or what made it comfortable for you whenever you were started going over there um at first, when I started going, this was a few years ago. This is before I ever came out or ever really had that self-realization of, of my own queerness. Um, but they're just cool people. I mean, don't take no bullshit. Cool people, you know. Um, and I say right now, and you can quote me on this, uh, I think Dragonplex is per capita the gayest school in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> there, there, there'll be training sessions where there's seven or eight of us. and everyone's queer including one of the trainers <laughs> and it's like <laughs> you know y'all aren't fucking with us at all <laughs> that is an amazing stat to hear considering yes, obviously it. yes it's so beautiful i like you know i this month like earlier this month i was talking to rico gonzalez you know who uh studied at wwe mm-hmm. Ford in atlanta right and you know he was making the joke. I I probably brought this up the last couple of weeks on the show, but I don't I don't care. I'll bring it up again. Like he was joking, like like at the school there, they joke about like having too many gays at the school now. <laughs> and it's just like it's just We're um, taking over. Yes, very much so. <laughs> but at the same time, like it is just such a, a beautiful thing to see that growth in not only the, that people from our community want to be present in this space, but feel empowered to do so in a way. Mm-hmm. And obviously you had your own coming out moment, which we'll, we'll talk about here in just a minute. But like now, like, you know, being someone who is at the school regularly, who is out and I mean, let's face it, like you've been in the game, like coming up on six years, right? Like you, you about, kind yeah. of have a bit of a mentor, aspect there for a lot of the kids like i know when i talked to max about at the last wax show back in december of last year like he could not sing enough praises about your like ability to kind of like be the ring general in that that a person tag mm-hmm. and like keeping everything organized and on track with with a lot because a lot of people in there were students either in like their first like few matches or their first year you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that I mean, was outside kind of, of Jaden. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, how does that strike you whenever, like, 
people like view you in that way. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. I don't see myself as that at all. I've like, I, I really only have like three working years in wrestling, I'd say, you know? So it's weird to have like students, uh, like message me for advice or like, like tag me in the group chat, like, Hey, you would be good to ask this question to or like in in training be like hey i saw you do it this way how can i you know do it better that's weird it's weird i don't feel like i've earned that you know um but like it's a good feeling it's good to know that people see me in that light um yeah i'm talking about max uh love max he he really he said the same thing to me in in that situation and I think that that really gave me a lot of confidence to be able to like when I'm put in that role, role step into that kind of like leadership, even though, like I said, I don't think I'm there at all yet. No. I mean, I, I can understand that. I feel like sometimes we as like the person don't necessarily recognize those things for ourselves. And a lot of people, at least, you know, speaking from personal experience, it's a lot of times where like the people will, will kind of tell you the impact that you have and you don't even like that's, that never even dawns on you until someone says it to you. Right. Yeah. Cause you're just kind of living life, you know, you're just kind yeah. of doing, doing things how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is really cool to have um, a lot of our like trainees and especially like younger queer people ask me, you know, about wrestling, especially as a queer person which is also really good for me having them there because most of the people who are there are way further along in their, their queer journey than I am. So we can kind of like share things like, you know, I'm further along in wrestling. You're further along in, in your, your journey and your understanding of yourself and all that. So it's really good to be able to like share those things in those light. That is cool that you kind of have like a built-in, community there at dragonplex mm -hmm. in a way because like i know for a lot of people whenever they first come out like if they haven't like you know already been like kind of exploring like gay culture gay or like queer history and that sort of thing like whenever you come out like you are like fresh-faced and you are just like okay i don't know anything about <laughs> this i know i'm this but i don't know anything mm -hmm. about like the surrounding aura of this and it can it can be a struggle sometimes to find queer community, depending on mm -hmm. you know where you are, your where you're at confidence wise, and all that sort of stuff. So like that sounds like it's been honestly that sounds like an amazing thing that's been present for you in in this time mm -hmm. since since you've been out. Yeah, I'm very I'm very grateful for it. We've recently got a couple new students in the last few months who who specifically have helped me out with that a lot, which is really cool. And they're, they're specifically those two. I mean, all of our trainers are great, but I think those two are really going to be killing it. Yeah. And I'm going to shout them out. Shout out Gwen and Olive. Y'all are, y'all are dope. <laughs> I'm excited to see, to see them whenever they uh, start getting out their own shows. Like I'm, I'm always, I'm won't always here for more. <laughs> yeah. It won't be long at all. I'll, I'll, I'll tag you in their stuff and be like, yo, Check it out. Yes, definitely. Always welcome. Um, right. 
so like let's let's talk about that that coming out process for you you know because mm-hmm. like it, it it seemed like it was a very like this is from an outside perspective and obviously like you know i i wrote the story on outsports whatever wherever you made the announcement and everything like that but like just from the outside looking in it felt like almost just like a sort of a a quick process for you in a way like it just kind of like snapped one day and it's like oh maybe this i could be completely wrong i'm just yeah, like kinda, no yeah. that's not far off oh, okay. it really isn't far off yeah it yeah. was i'd say a few month process mm. which in in terms of of like knowing that about yourself seems very quick like compared to a, a lot of the stories you hear um yeah it was kind of just i just started having attractions to different kinds of people and that was kind of it i mean um my partner um she's been she's bisexual she's been out since she was like she never wasn't out pretty much like yeah one of those people (laughs) once it started like i started like having these thoughts she was kind of just like yeah like this is this is what it is be proud of yourself like all right and that made it a lot easier to to have that you know what i mean mm-hmm. no like that i think that's probably the best environment to have that sort of thing right because like yes mm-hmm. they, there's always like this like conversations and and discussions with with like you know close friends and family around all this stuff and that sort of thing but just to have that sort of like immediate validation in in that moment mm-hmm. like that is yeah a super vital thing yeah i'm i'm extremely lucky in the sense that i've never like in this journey i've never lacked any kind of support like it was immediate from my partner immediate from the wrestling community i've gotten very little people's you know even questioning or or because you know I've had a few of the the people who've known me a long time kind of like, really? But you get past that quickly, you know? And I've had so little of that, but I've had extreme amounts of support, which is crazy. It's what do amazing, you say? But it's kind of crazy. Why do you because say that? When I, coming from the environment I grew up in, um, I was in like, I had a great home life, great family life and everything, but I grew up in a, not good area uh, a lot of violence a lot of gangs a lot of shit like that i expected a lot of the people i knew back then to kind of have have some pause and have you know have something to say nothing none of them i mean i i feel like a few people probably unfollowed me or whatever but like who cares at that point you know what i mean but like i just felt like there was going to be some pushback some people somewhere saying something it didn't happen mm. That's a beautiful thing to hear, honestly. Yeah, I know. I'm. I feel extremely lucky and grateful for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like going back to how quick it was, though. Like the realization came fairly quickly, but my decision to talk about it was literally a split split session second. Like I was at work. Um, I work as a. Uh, I run a, the trimming department at a cannabis farm, so I was in the middle of trimming up my weed and was just like fuck it put down my scissors took my gloves off 
tweeted real quick, put my phone down, put it back on, kept working. <laughs> so it was like a 30-second decision to just say something. Um, and then I picked my phone up like an hour later, and it was blown up with support. And I was like, that's, that's, that's amazing. Like I, I was expecting support, but not like people I didn't know hitting me up. You know, that was really? what like got me. Yeah. Hmm. I mean that that initial outpouring of support is always a, a wonderful thing to to see and experience mm-hmm. at that sort of moment. Like, I have to ask though, like, no, like, just, like how quickly that was for you. Like, is that like typical of you? Like, like are you like normally that like impulsive? Just like ah, put it out there. Like, is that- <laughs> oh yeah that's the add baby oh <laughs> my <yo. laughs> was good my add uh makes my decisions for me most of the time i can feel you so, it was just like i really just had kind of like a fuck it moment where i was just like i this is it i'm just gonna say it who cares you know mm. uh, i yeah, love the confidence yeah, add makes a decision <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's good <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> No, no, like I, I will say, like, you know, from, from where I was at, like, watching that, like, I, it, you know, obviously, like, one, always great to see more out talent in, in the area that I'm in. But two, like, I, I think that was like, that was kind of at the, um, sort of like the tail end of like just this, cause it, like, that was after Pride Month, if I'm not mistaken. Sometimes dates get mixed up in my head. Um, it was right, right around the time. I, yeah. 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 Like but like there was like a whole bunch of people had had come out um around that time and i remember and then like and then i see you and it's just like it as someone who like covers this aspect of pro wrestling and is it is as invested in in it as i am like like i don't know like it was just a really powerful thing to see so many people coming out and then you being a part of that like it's just mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know exactly how to put it like it was just nice to see a community growing and having the 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 knowing that community has everyone's support yeah there you go you put yeah. the put a lot the, of it was the words uh, out of my brain there we go uh a lot of it too like um one specific one i'm good friends with uh referee devin campbell he mm. trained with us at Dragonplex for for a long time. He's training at Buddy Wayne's now, um, but he, I think it might have been less than a month before me that he came out and had his his own outpouring and everything. And you wrote the article about from Outsports, I believe, on him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing all that kind of like helped me in that moment to be like, all right, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Had you spoken to Devin about like this at all prior to yeah, that? Yeah, I think I yeah. think um there were a few people I did talk to about it. Um I believe he was one of them. Uh Chris Brady, I talked to him just cuz he's he's one of the people who I've known the longest and we like really had that connection at one point before I had to whoop his ass. Um <laughs> like yeah, it, it was never a thing where like I felt like I had to keep it in you know and mm-hmm. Devin definitely helped me out with that and he kind of has the same like I can't speak for him obviously but like he kind of has the same like fuck it whatever I am who I am type attitude you know yeah 
no, I can, I can definitely, I can see it. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. in like the few times I've, I've been around Devin, I can see it. Oh yeah, that's that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk to me about this this new team that you've kind of got now with Death Threat. Um, and it's not it's new. I know like Death Threat's been around for for a little bit, but like post Chris mm -hmm. Brady and like this this team, especially whenever you and Nathan are together, because I feel like Nathan is someone who's definitely been on on the come up over the last year in the scene another yeah. out member of the scene and it's just really cool to see like two out pro wrestlers kind of teaming together but with characters that don't rely on that that's aspect of identity in a way mm -hmm. to to really like build that connection like what's it what's it been like to kind of like see nathan grow alongside the, this team with you uh he is a he's ridiculously good i love nate um it the death threat started as kind of like a offshoot of the wrong side so it was he was put with chris and i at 5cc and that ended up not lasting long um i don't know for what reason but you know management has different ideas uh, and then it ended up that um, Nate and I work really well together. So we decided like, hey, let's, you know, put this in other places um, and see what we can go book for. Um, but yeah, Nate, he, I've known him five years, something like that. He trained back at 321 Battle with us for a long time. Um, he was unfortunately one of the people that, you know, uh, they never put on the show, even though he was ready the entire time um big mistake on their part <laughs> but he uh he yeah dude's ridiculously good he's uh gonna be more places than i am soon i am 100 percent sure of that uh yeah like you said we we try not to make our identity the entire thing and the whole character like it's something that like people know about us but we are, we're just going to be us, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's an important aspect of like, you know, self-expression in that way, like putting mm -hmm. as much in as you want of, of yourself into a character and, and the different aspects of yourself into it yeah. in a way. Like it's just, it's more so about being genuine to, to yourself in mm -hmm. that way, as opposed to like, you know, having to play up, some identity which you know has been an amazing thing to see like all the different expressions of that and as the community has continued mm -hmm. to grow over the last yeah, few years into which level you you want to put that expression into the public eye or or into your wrestling or whatever yeah mm -hmm. i think it's it's beautiful to see all different people deciding to use different aspects to do pretty much the same thing if that yeah. makes sense no for sure for sure um as we kind of start to wind down a little bit here i did have like a couple of a couple questions left for you um Shoot. because i wanted to ask you about the sandra moon match at doa because mm. um i know that match was very personally important for you yeah um what was it about that match that makes it like 
kind of stand out so much in, in your mind? Um, I think before that, I was still kind of, at least in my own mind, I feel like I could have been like putting this on myself. And I don't know how much of this actually came from outside voices, but I feel like I was still kind of attached to my old overly gimmicky character. Um, I feel like uh, in a lot of people's mind, they didn't see me as who I am now or was then when the match happened. Um, and I really saw that as an opportunity to like show what I can do and, you know, put on a memorable match. I feel like before that, I, I, I didn't have the confidence to really go like, I'm going to put on a, a banger right now. But that night came Sandra and I talked and she pretty much told me like, I want to help you, you know, put on a great match. And we, yeah, I, I did exactly what I wanted to with that one. Uh, at the time, like I've had some comparable ones since then, but at the time that was leaps and bounds my best match. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to Sandra's willingness to give and really like take ideas and like say, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to make you look good which was great. Mm. No, yeah. I mean, that that's a really important thing to have in, in a, in a working partner like that, like to have mm -hmm. the, the ability to be open and be beneficial for, for both of y'all. And like, you know, I have to ask, like, because, you know, that was a singles match, like, and knowing the importance that it was for you at the time and still holds now, like, did any of that was that, any of that kind of like, rooted in wanting to be because like primarily in your time in doa like you've been like a tag team wrestler right mm. with, with chris or you know throwing murph into the mix as well at times like was that kind of a kind of a proving ground for you to be like i can stand on my own as like a singles wrestler in a way yeah i think a little bit yeah um i've never really felt like jaded by being in tag team like i know a lot of people they they feel like they have to be the star or like you know they don't want like to share a spotlight or whatever i've never really felt like that there's been a few little, you know everyone has feelings that way or the other but that's definitely one where like i wasn't sure if the people or like management there or the fans knew i could do that so that really was like something new that i could show to them Mm. I mean, it was a, it was a great way to do it. <laughs> hey, I will say you. that. I still no, send that... that one to people. I, oh, like, I'll still you. hit up a booker. Like, yeah, <laughs> check this one. <laughs> no, that one's that one's a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, Sandra's great. Shout yeah, out, Sandra. Love Sandra. Um, last question for you, and I try to end things on 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 fun topics and that sort of thing but you know you mentioned it earlier like being a graffiti artist and that mm -hmm. sort of thing uh for for a long time like now that you've kind of gotten back in in tune with that now um i've seen you like kind of going out there like trying like selling like prints of stuff that that you're working on like how much mm -hmm. how much is being like zeb saint one kind of gotten you back in touch with those roots and made and kind of like has that like refueled your your passion for graffiti art in a, in a way 
Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> there's been times where I've kind of had to stop myself like, oh, I got a can in my car. I should go catch some tags. I've had to stop myself um, <laughs> for sure. It's not worth it anymore. I've had too many cop scares. I got arrested a few times when I was younger. Not worth it. I'm about to be 30. I don't need to be doing that shit. But it's definitely giving me that itch and it's make, made me want to have like some creative expression in that way. And like, I love that I can bring the two together, not only in a character, but like through my merch. I I design every piece of merch myself, every sticker, canvas, shirt, everything is either hand painted by me, hand printed by me, drawn by me, whatever, which I think is like, I'm, I'm thankful I'm able to to do that. Cause I always wanted to, to be able to sell my art. And like, that was kind of my goal when I was younger was to be able to make a career out of that. Mm. I've sold more art at wrestling merch tables than <laughs> I ever did as a graffiti writer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's really helped me, you know, uh, get back in touch with something that I got jaded out of. Cause I was mad jaded with that. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I had I had some some times there. I had to separate myself from it. Yeah, but yeah. It's it's a healthy relationship now. That's good to hear. I'm I'm glad because mm -hmm. like, you know, for wrestling is art, and obviously like having that be like a, a catalyst for this other form of art that you had such a love for. Like, I don't know. Like, I just I love the connectivity that pro wrestling can give, and how so mm -hmm. many it can go in so many different directions for for people. literally yeah it's so cool to yeah see. that you can do anything with it yeah that's oh god it's such a beautiful craft <laughs> mm. pro wrestling love fest yeah <laughs> yo i'm here for it always no <laughs> this has been this has been a lot of fun i'm glad we had the chance to sit down and, and chat um same yeah of course let everybody know where they can uh find you online Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Zeb Saint One. If you see me on Facebook, don't add me. That's that. That doesn't say Zeb Saint One. That says Zeb and my last name, which I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yeah. That ain't that. No, stay away. Um, <laughs> at Zeb Saint One on everything. Uh, feel free to hit me up. Uh, get some art from me, or just say what's up. If you're at any shows in Washington or Oregon, you're probably going to see me. Come say what's up. There you go. There you go. Zeb, thank you again. Thank you so much. You have a good one. Chill. My thanks again to Zeb for taking the time to come on the show and talk about his coming out journey and, and his journey in pro wrestling. Just exciting to see him continue to grow and, and get a higher profile. I'm really excited to see more of Death Threat, him and Nathan um, getting more shots around this area. It's just really cool to see. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Make sure to come back next week. We're going to have another fun show in store for all of y'all. Uh, another reminder uh, that if you want to support the show, you can join the roster of lovelies over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. You can join the likes of Alex E Jerry legend and Val Capone and be named as a member of the roster of lovelies here on this show every single week. Um, and, you know, all that money goes directly to supporting the show and supporting the work that we do, you know, and like helping sponsor events um, as well. You know, we, we are 
very happy to be sponsoring you know pride style this month we've sponsored hood slam last month we sponsored Naptown, um which is another promotion that's just amazing what they're doing out in indianapolis um all of that work is you know it comes from the support that that y'all give us um on on this show so Head on over there if you feel so moved. If not, spread the word. Do whatever you feel like you need to do to get the word out. I'm, I'm all for it here on the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, that'll do it for us this week. Until next week, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And happy birthday, Dark Sheik. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the demon, so I love her.